It's been a challenge, but it's been one that's pushed us both and allowed us to experiment with different things. Obviously, our, our dream is to, to give them the opportunity to compete in a Paralympic Games. Make sure your heart's in it. I think that's the most important thing. You're listening to the Just Ask podcast with James Ledger. Just Ask. Gofynnwch. Just Ask. Hello, everyone. Christ uh, or Welcome to the second hashtag Just Ask podcast with your host, James Ledger, T12 100 meter sprinter. I've got a very exciting show lined up today with three awesome guests. The theme of today's show is going to be around that interesting topic about that coach-athlete relationship. And we're also going to be hearing about the performance pathway program that Disability Sport Wales offer. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce two individuals first with the athlete-coach pairing. If you didn't guess from the teaser who it was, it is the King of Neef, Mr. Harry Jenkins. How are you doing, Harry? I'm good. How are you, mate? Nice to speak to you. Everyone, Harry is a European and world medalist in the 100 metres. So he's got a pretty good record already. And he's definitely one to watch for the future going into the Paralympic Games next year. And multiple Paralympian, winter and summer games, Commonwealth Games athlete, world record holder and world champion Nathan Stevens. How are you doing mate? I am very well thank you. Thank you very much for having us both on. Awesome. No, thank you so both so much for, for joining us. I know you're very busy in your preparations for, for this season, preparing for, for what is to come this year and next year. So thank you for taking the time to uh, to join us. I'm going to start with you Nate. Um You've got a pretty inspiring story yourself uh you know a phenomenal athlete in your own right and now athlete turned coach for people who don't know you can you give us a little bit of a little bit of a backstory about how you started in in your sport and and where you are now yeah no problem at all um so i was unfortunate enough to lose my legs uh when i was nine years old due to a train accident um and sport kind of just fell into my lap after that um i I used it as a bit of rehabilitation um to get used to my disability and i was lucky enough to to stumble across anthony hughes who's the performance manager of disability sport wales when i was 13 Um, and he got me involved in athletics and that kind of spiraled out of control then um and hence why i managed to under his tutelage and, and guidance um, got me to to compete in two Paralympic Games, say Beijing and London, and also um, allowing me to win the World Championships in 2011 as well, say the same year that I broke the world record. Um, I came into retirement um, in 2014. Um, things got a little bit difficult within within my category of my sport, um, so chose to to step away and um, kind of direct my passion then into the the coaching element of of the sport, 
Um, and I was lucky enough to, to take over Harry um, or drag Harry back into, <laughs> into athletics um, after a stint away playing wheelchair basketball. Um, and, and now, um, you know, I've got the pleasure of, of coaching him and, and bringing him through the ranks and hopefully uh, succeeding and win a medal in the Paralympic Games in the future. That's amazing. You mentioned your world record. So, world record in the javelin. Can you just explain how far you throw? Because it, to me, it is crazy seeing you throw that javelin from a seated position. It, it, it's, it's incredible. So, how far was that world record? So, my world record back in 2011 was 41 metres, 37 centimetres. So, about three lengths of a double-decker bus. Only, only using my torso and my arm to, to gain momentum. So. I hope everyone at home maybe could go into their garden and sit on the floor and, and throw throw a tennis ball just to see how hard that is and just to just to realise how incredible that, that performance was. What was that feeling like when you know you threw that jab? It left left your hand. If I'm being totally honest with you, I was disappointed with the throw because I didn't know how far it was until it got measured. The throw the throw itself wasn't technically my best. Mm. It was just one of them lucky days that um, kind of the, the stars aligned then and it kind of just caught the wind ever so slightly and it just held the javelin in the air for that split second longer and uh, took it over that world record mark. So, um, wow. yeah, so no, looking back sorry. on it, it, yeah, go on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Do you feel like you could have thrown further then that day? Um, in not, my I'm head, not trying to put a no, 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 no. <laughs> in my head, probably yes, but I think it shows that when you, you have such a technical event, um, if it feels like you could have put more in, but you've, but you've actually outperformed yourself, then mm. it shows that over-trying isn't the best way to go. Yeah. And, and I say we were, we were doing it today um, in Harry's training session, and when Harry felt like he was going too easy, it actually allows him to move quicker because it just yeah. allows the muscles to not tense up so much to allow you actually all your limbs and all your joints just to, to, to flow more, more flow more freely then and and it was a nothing competition so it was it mm. was in the, the back end of Czech Republic at the end of the year uh, after a really good year you know um, becoming world champion and all the pressure was off and I just went out and enjoyed it and awesome. it, was, it just kind of came and went say there was no crowds there no one there to see it um, but luckily it got measured, got ratified and, and uh, yeah, got put in the books. So. Amazing. Which is the video of you? I, I always remember seeing a video of yourself screaming and I can't remember if, when you won the world champs or broke the world record. Yeah. So that was in the world champs. Uh, so that was in oh. February of uh, that year. Um, and it was, it was a hard slog to get to that. So the year before I pretty much had nine months out cause I had my, um, I had a really bad shoulder injury and had to get, um, say, I had a, a labral tear that they had to repair. Um, I had a shoulder decompression. Um, they had to fix uh, bicep and tricep uh, tendons because they were all um, clammy and scar tissued from a previous injury. Um, so I actually didn't get back to throw in until October um, in 2010. So we managed to get my, all my rehab done, do, do one throw in October, managed to qualify for the world champs went back into rehab straight after that qualification throw. Um, and then all of the holding camp out in New Zealand, say we were just doing uh, visualization stuff, um, very, very minimal throws. Um, 
and then yeah so hopefully and trying to keep me as fresh as possible for for the actual competition itself and so yeah when I didn't broke the championship record that was then um and it just it was just a massive weight lifted off the shoulders you know for one me physically to go yeah okay my, my shoulder's actually not gonna fall apart anymore it's actually fixed um and yeah it just put all the hard work and uh into perspective so and i've still got the phone book with his face on it to prove i'll have a google of that <laughs> i think you summed up there nathan in terms of like Athletics is, is such a such a roller coaster of emotion. Yeah. yeah. And I think you summed up there with, with injuries and and what the emotions that come with having an injury to to, to then break in a world record and, and winning world champs is uh is is crazy how much of one scale to another you can feel in a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. It just shows that, you know, the the stuff that you see on TV and the successes and the failures it's just an extremely small part of that journey um, and say it's never a straight road it's never an easy climb to the top it, it's filled with ups downs left turns right turns backwards forwards and you just got to be persistent and keep focused on your target and your goals and um, keep doing everything that you possibly can to, to go out and achieve them absolutely so it's clear to see Nate, that you have bags of knowledge experience good and bad of the sport how have you found that transition between being being an elite athlete to then becoming a coach so if it, it, it was a hard transition actually it was quite a difficult one for me because um, i literally retired from the sport and then kind of had to step up to help support the other athletes in our group um, so I never really had that that grieving process of stopping stopping the sport and then wanting to go back into it for the enjoyment. Um, but I, in my own head, I wanted to help the athletes that that I was originally friends with and training partners with to to one um, get the most out of their sport, two to mentally prepare them for the ups and the downs because I'd been through pretty much every single one of them uh, when I came out of it. And, and the hardest thing for me was getting that relationship right um, from being their training partner to then being mm. their coach. And it's, well, I say I've been doing it now for six years, um, you know, pretty much full time. And it, it's only in now that I've got the confidence and the ability to to question myself and challenge myself a little bit more and yeah. and hopefully challenge the athletes that I'm working with as well. Interesting question. Do you get more nervous watching somebody like Harry compete than you did back when you were competing? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> I, I do. Um, it's a weird one because and Harry puts a lot of faith in me to ensure that the planning, the periodization, you know, everything that he's doing in his sessions is right. And again, for a relatively new coach like myself, um, it's, am I doing the right thing? You constantly question yourself to go, right, should I have been doing that? Should I have been doing this? Um, and you don't feel nervous for yourself. You, you feel nervous for the athletes that you're working with um, because they've put all their trust in you and 
you just want to make sure that you're doing absolutely right for that athlete. Um, so yeah, it's it's a different kind of nervous. Um, but luckily, Harry's quite laid back and, and just tells me to shut up and and <laughs> doesn't really get nervous himself. So it's quite it's quite nice to be on the other end of it. But yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it, it definitely definitely do feel feel them butterflies in your stomach again when yeah. when he goes to race especially when he finishes a race throws his helmet off and then potentially <laughs> get disqualified for it even though he's oh. just become european champion oh look that was a long time ago that wasn't that long ago it wasn't that i didn't throw it off i took my helmet off there's you nicely no, placed no... it i nicely i took it off before i should have and nothing bad happens. So we're all it's all okay. We're all good. But then you think in yourself, oh, why didn't I go through the rules with him? He should have known the rules. Oh, it's my fault. Uh, but I don't even racing like a, a year and a bit. I think there's an interesting point there for any young athlete, whatever sport you're in. Nathan just said it. You got to realize, be nice to your coach because they they're just as nervous as you are sometimes. So and they want you to succeed as much as you want to succeed because. They see how much work you put in and how much it means to you. So, so yeah, you're never alone when you compete in or play the match. You've always got people behind you. So, yeah, any young athletes out there, you have a team around you that care about you. So, yeah, never forget that. Uh, so, interesting time at the minute, boys. Um, we're, well, we're coming out of the, the end of lockdown and the social distancing, but it's been a bit of a whirlwind couple of months um, especially for elite sport has been challenging with with facilities being closed how how have you found coaching harry because i know you don't you don't live in wales so you can't even come into to god's country you know how how have you found how have you found coaching from afar it's been a challenge but um it's been one that's pushed us both and allowed us to experiment with different things um so it, it's for me it, it, it's challenged me in my coaching knowledge and my coaching ability to be able to coach virtually then which is always a, a weird thing and we only start really started doing it um probably about two two months into lockdown and we thought right we're, we're going to start filming some sessions now because harry was getting to the stage that well, Harry can talk about it in, in a moment, but we felt that he was like plateauing. He didn't really have no targets or no drive or no push. Um, so just to enable me just to, to sit behind the screen and just give him a little bit of pointers while he's doing his roller work. Um, it just allowed us to get that that human connection back into the training and to, to develop our relationship a little bit more. Um, and, and again, so it's allowed Harry to, to experiment with going out and pushing on the road. So we hadn't really done much road pushing um, previously. And, and because obviously all the roads were quiet and not many people were out and about, um, it allowed us to, well, allowed Harry to, to go out and put some miles in on the roads, uh, which has actually has, hel is, has helped him and helped his uh, capacity to be able to push, um, which hopefully now will benefit when we're, now we're back on the track and doing more, uh, more technical abilities. So. Harry, have you found, because you've had to do stuff on your own in a way, have you found that you've enjoyed like working things out kind of for yourself, not having Nathan telling you what to do? Have you have you enjoyed that? Like even today, we so I sort of tell him what went wrong as he's about to tell me, and we seem to come up with the same idea. Yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one. I think I'm surprised how well I've handled I handled lockdown originally because um, 
I'm very much a creature of habit and like Nathan said, he writes my programs and I'll stick to it and I'll make sure I'm training on the same days all the time. So having to change stuff up like that's been difficult. Um, there's so with the technical stuff, because we're doing some, I was doing so much more long push in rather than starts. Um, not really because the technical stuff is where Nathan really helps me be in there. Um, yeah with like starts and just extending my pushes properly. Um, mm. So I'm quite comfortable going on long pushes by myself just because that's sort of a cardio thing. Um, it's just it to find more, the points, I guess, is it? Yeah, and it was more just to put the push. I missed when I was doing my sprint stuff on the rollers. It was more sort of him pushing me. And it's more the, it's more my body position that I struggled with because I can't, I couldn't see, I can't see if my body position is um in the right position if that makes sense um yeah so um yeah it was good i but i'm glad we're sort of on the way back to normal now yeah i think it's just shown as well how how being more a resilient athlete and an adaptable athlete will benefit you in the long run um because you never know what situations are going to happen at at a major champs you know they could you can plan for so you'll get the schedule three four months in advance so you plan towards that date but it's happened to me as an athlete many of times is that you turn up to a competition and then they change the schedule around on you and if yeah. you're not able to to mentally cope with that it can be really really difficult because then you have to try to change all your plans change your routine and it can really hinder some athletes when they go into a major games um, but I think this has shown us that actually Harry is so adaptable and has become a lot more resilient over this time. Just being able to, to self-manage, self-care. We haven't, we haven't been able to get hands-on physio treatment, so he's had to come up with different ways to, to stretch the areas where he's always previously needed help to stretch. So for me, it, it's been an absolute, it's, it's a blessing in disguise that we know now that if we go away for warm weather training or a long period uh, of competition that we can do it on our own. And Harry now knows it. Like he said, he now knows his body a lot more um, because he's had to physically manage it himself. Um, And that again is going to benefit him getting decent chair positions, being able to feel when he's pushing right, being able to, to manage his emotions and know when he's tired and know when he needs a break a lot more than he would have done previously. So it's coming out of, out of lockdown and now the training that we're putting in now, you can really see it in his performance, which has been amazing. I guess as you're, cause you boys have been back on track a couple of weeks yeah, now. Yeah. Two, three, three, three weeks, weeks, two now. weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Nate, you've been heavily involved in the return to training process. I know it's been, quite challenging but how's that gone how is it going it's it's going really well um i think we're very lucky in wales that all of the the national governing bodies um are open to sharing ideas and talking and that's really sped up the process for us um to enable our elite athletes to get back to training and we've been sharing resources with the likes of uh, faw and wiu um and 
And yeah, so yeah, the facilities team that that we've been working with, the likes of Cardiff Metropolitan University and Newport Live, have been absolutely fantastic in putting in the procedures that we need to to get our athletes uh, back to training as soon as possible. Obviously, in in line with government guidelines and and numbers, so it's only been a small cohort of athletes that have been allowed to go back to training. Um, but we've been lucky to get to get Harry and a few of our elite para-athletes back quite quickly, um, which will give them the, the best possible chances of, of success now next year in Tokyo. I don't know. Personally, I know it's quite, quite not intense, but obviously it's for a purpose. But can you just describe some of the procedures that are in place for when athletes and coaches arrive yeah, at Cardiff uh, Met? Yeah, so, so now um, every morning uh, before training, every athlete has to fill in um, a COVID medical questionnaire, uh, which goes through if they've been in contact or if they've knowingly been in contact with anybody with, uh, with the COVID-19 um, virus. Um, how are they feeling? Do they have a headache? Do they have a cough? Um, anything out of the ordinary? Everybody gets uh, temperature checked then um, when they get to the venue and the questions then get repeated that they've had to answer just to, to, to see if there's any discrepancies between the answers. Um, so it's, very, it's a very rigorous process for the athletes to get in, but um, it's for their safety and everybody else's safety as well. So if they take a temperature check and they're over the 37.8 degree mark, then they'll be asked to turn away and isolate for, for 14 days. Um, again, to protect themselves and to protect everybody else around them. So it's, um, yeah, it's a really safe environment. And we wanted to make yeah. sure that the athletes um, were confident in coming into a training environment because it was quite a scary, is still quite a scary time for a lot of people. Um, so we just wanted to give them the confidence that we are doing absolutely everything that we can to keep them safe um, and to keep them fit and, and training as hard as they possibly can. And if you just touched upon it about athletes you know having the confidence to go back to training in a safe environment how have you felt harry with with all them protocols in place have you felt it has given you the confidence to be be okay with going back um yeah i mean yeah i mean it's flawless what they've done really um i can't knock it i can't say anything i mean i think everyone's sort of comfortable there's more athletes coming in now so i think it's been a learning process for everyone and just making sure everything's right. So there was about only about five of us on on track at the begin with, but they've sort of upped that now. Um, yeah, it's really smooth. The environments are always changing to um, to, yeah. to, to adhere to the government guidelines. Um, and say now we're we're allowed up to to thirty individuals on the track as long as social distancing is is being able to take place, which it is. So we'll slowly start to see more cohorts of athletes turning up. Um, so obviously we started off with uh, with the elite guys, so Commonwealth Games athletes and um, Olympic potential athletes. Now we're going to start seeing more of the junior cohorts start coming through into into the environments. Um, and we just want to try, try and make sure that as well. So when they're out of that environment, they're still doing everything they possibly can to protect themselves and protect others as well. That, no, that's great. And it's, it's, it's so nice to see that some kind of normality is, is coming and returning and and people can start doing properly what what they love to do. Um, and I, I think all of us here are a prime example of how sport has changed and contributed to our lives dramatically. Yeah, and I think yeah. so, Harry, Harry mentioned it earlier, so he's a creature of habit. And when them 
habits have to change and it's totally out of your control, it's sometimes it can be really hard to deal with. Um, and I know quite a lot of athletes have struggled with obviously Tokyo being cancelled because you know when you're early, you work on that four-year cycle, so everything that you do gears up to that one competition in every four years. And when that obviously it's never happened, well, I think it's it's extremely rare when it does. But I think this is the first time athletes who I'm aware of have have got to that year and then their whole lives kind of have to stop. Because now that one competition that they've been working for for four years is no longer. In you can either think of it right. Well, I've got another year to prepare for it, or you kind of kind of shut off and go, "What has it all been for?" Um, and hopefully, a lot of the athletes have gone right. Yeah, okay, I've got another year to, to fine tune everything that I've got. But it means changing habits, changing plans, uh, and reevaluating what they've done over the past three, four years. So. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting period of time now moving forwards, um, especially going into 2021, uh, where a lot of the competitions now will be taking place uh, that have been cancelled from this year, especially for athletes who are still seeking to get selection for, for Tokyo. So it's, uh, it's going to be a, a, yeah. an interesting period of, of change. It, and it's, going be so inter- it's going to be so interesting to see how they do the calendar. They're going to have so many events they're trying to squeeze in over the yeah. next two. The calendar is going to be wild over the next three years. Just and this, everything's this is, getting bumped on, so it's, yeah, it's it going to be weird to see. And um, this is where the smart athletes now will pick and choose which events they need to go to rather than thinking, right, I need to compete and compete at all of them. Yeah. Um, they need to really cherry-pick the events that they want to do so they don't end up uh, burning out and, and overloading. Nath, so I know your role at Disability Sport Wales is the performance pathway officer is that correct that is correct that's amazing and i know your colleague uh, Gemma cutter is going to be coming on the show a little later to discuss the pathway how is it going from your perspective is it lots of fresh young talent coming through stars for the future we've got a a quite a large cohort of athletes who uh, we've got in our performance pathway hubs um and it's now identifying which sport would be right for them um at the minute a lot of them we we encourage them to do multi-sport we obviously the we we don't like to um get them to, to focus on one sport too soon then we want to try and give them that that multidisciplinary learning that they can get through through doing multi-sport and multi-skill activity um, so a few of them have now started to focus on on a sport, um, but a lot of them are still uh, still trying to find that sport that fits their impairment and their and their classification and disability, uh, and that's where we're working now with a lot of the NGBs, uh, national governing bodies, to to come in and almost sell their sport to them, um, because a lot of the individuals that we work with have either only done wheelchair focused sports or PE in school um, and haven't really been exposed to all the fantastic sports that we can actually provide for them within Wales. Um, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting time now once, once we are fully out of lockdown to really push the work that we're doing with, uh, with the national governing bodies and our performance pathway hubs. At the minute, we've got about 50 young individuals on our, on our books uh, with a lot more um, 
waiting well i'm waiting for them to get a little bit older to uh for us to, to profile them and, and get them active so it's just a, it's a long waiting game when you find an athlete who starts off at we've got the passion that drive that you see and and that's and that twinkle in their eye at eight nine years old and you're just thinking oh i need i need to wait like 10 years before i can see you develop properly <laughs> and i never thought i was going to be in this role for um well, I was kind of lucky to fall into it, and uh, when I when I stopped athletics, and um, yeah, it's it's really exciting, and it, it really gives me a focus on on well, what focuses on my journey and what I went through, and and what I put my coach through, uh, and now been <laughs> able to to um, now been able to give them opportunities that that I had as a child to to uh, to many others is really rewarding and, and humbling at the same time. That's amazing. It's 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 so nice to see your your passion for sport and and para sport and what it's given you as an athlete, but now what it's given you to you as a person, and you can just see you're you're able to to share, guide, and and support everyone to to be you know the best they'll be. You know, not everyone will be you know a Paralympic champion, but you're you're helping people be the best they can be and almost realize their own potential in whatever sport they choose. So yeah, it's very clear to see what a great job you're doing, um, not just as, as a coach, but as a pioneer of, of disability sports. So yeah, thank thank you very yeah. much for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and I think w- w- the one thing that I think we are, we love to do in disability sport Wales is just make good people. Um, you know, we, we, bring them into the hubs and we um, obviously our, our dream is to to give them the opportunity to compete in a Paralympic Games but even if they achieve in doing something that they've never done before or even if it's pulling a wheelie in a wheelchair that they've always had stabilizers on to give them that confidence to go out into their school into their environment and and show their friends and their peers that actually they are good at something different and something different to what their peers are good at you know that that's a huge thing for me and 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 hopefully we can just, yeah, create, you know, passionate, confident individuals who can pick up anything that they want and thrive at and, and give it their all. I think this young man also in the conversation is a, is a prime example of going through the process and becoming, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> becoming the guy he is, the, the, the multi-medalist he is. And Harry, as I like to call you, the King and Eve, you know, you've been through this process that we were just talking about. Can you just like give us a little bit of a backstory about how you've how you joined the process and and led to where you are now? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, listening to Nathan when he said we get we get uh, kids doing all sorts of different sports. I mean, I must have done every sport under the sun um, when I was younger and. Um, I think I was originally spotted at the, um, oh, it's called the InSport Series now. I was about to say the Wheelchair Spectacular, um, the InSport Series. I think I was about seven or eight years old. And, um, yeah, so I ended up going to the athletic sessions there on a um, Monday and Wednesday. Um, and then I was also part of, like, my local swimming team. So I ended up being in a disability swimming club. What other sports did I do next? I think I did botch. I did botcher for a bit. Did botcher uh, for a bit. Basketball. Um, is that it? I think that's all of them. 
Yeah, I think there's yeah. probably a few more dotted around in there at some point as well. Yeah. So, um, so eventually I was sort of put into uh, wheelchair racing, um, and I loved it. It was awesome. I was about nine years old, I think. I know that's when I would have first met Nathan. It's about fifteen years ago, man. <laughs> um, so um, I did that for about four years, and then I had to go and have an operation to do with my disability. Um, so I took about a year out. Um, and then I came back to wheelchair racing and due to the sort of positions that you need to be in to be a good wheelchair racer, it just wasn't the right time for me to be involved. So I had to take a little step away. Um, went and played wheelchair basketball for a bit. Did all right at that. Um, did all right. Uh, did all right. Yeah, I ended up playing. Pick um... yourself up a little bit, mate. Come on. Oh, sorry. I need to be more like. I need to be more like Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> need to sell um, yourself. Sell Don't undersell yourself. I need to mate. say how brilliant I am. Um, <laughs> no, I ended up playing for a group written at uh, under twenty two level in wheelchair basketball. So um, and I had a great time doing it. But I think it was the, I think it was the twenty fifteen. Uh, in sports series, I was helping out the basketball team, and I got cornered by Nathan and uh, <laughs> Anthony Hughes, and they said, "Why don't you come back to athletics?" And I wasn't really enjoying much basketball at the time, so um, so I thought, "Why not?" And uh, so it's been a bit of a journey to get where I am. So so the start of twenty sixteen, I sort of got back in. We had sort of a distant pipe dream that I might be able to make the Rio team, but didn't happen that's how it goes uh, I think that's probably if I'd come back a, a, a year a year or two sooner I might have might have snuck onto that team but uh yeah it's been a been a good journey and uh yeah so what a story. long way to go yeah yeah long way <laughs> to go <laughs> Harry so can you just uh elaborate a little bit about so what's your disability and what classification do you compete in in athletics so I've got cerebral palsy. So uh, with cerebral palsy athletes, any cerebral palsy athlete you get put in, in athletics, you get put in the 30 class. And then for wheelchair racing, there is the 34 class and the 33 class. So the 34 class is for athletes where they are fully symmetrical in their upper body. And then there is the 33 class, which is my class. So I'm a 33, which is they're not symmetrical, which means the cerebral palsy affects the upper body limbs as well. So that's the class I'm in, I'm in the T33 class. Obviously, with this year being so so crazy, Harry, what what are you looking to achieve this year going into you know what is going to be a massive year next year? Yeah, it's been it's so odd. I think, like Nathan was saying earlier, everything sort of been built up to this year for me obviously it was going to be my first games hopefully and then uh, I I, I think it was okay because I thought when this all started you knew it was coming but when the sort of cancellation came in um, but I think me and Nathan sort of know that I wasn't going to be in the position to win a big medal if it was this year so hopefully we can put ourselves in that sort of position next year um so in terms of goals, it's just making sure that I'm in the best I'm in the best shape possible coming out of this and um, 
just mentally staying ready to whenever I'm going to compete. We don't even know when that's going to be. We don't know whether I'm going to compete this year. We don't know what comps are going to be because everything is still so up in the air. So it's just staying mentally and physically as ready as possible, uh, ready for next year. Yeah, I think so. the good thing is now so that there's no pressure to compete this year. So we can we can just focus on all the technical aspects that we need to work on and the strength aspects to get him that much physically yeah. stronger in preparation for next year. We may go out to if, if if competitions start opening up um, September October time. We may try and find a quick track just to give us a, a little bit of feedback from the work that we've been putting in this year, um, and then literally just do one race and then go back into into hibernation then and uh, come out next year fitter and fitter and stronger than ever. Yeah, I think there's no right or wrong way to handle this. No one's ever no, no one's ever sort of been in this position before, so no. sort of taking everything as it comes because everything's still so. So up in the air, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll all be okay. I'm I'm physically in great shape anyway. I'm I'm kind of surprised in what good nick I am since I've gone back on the track. So I'm I'm very happy for where I am. I hope Nathan's the same. I'm I am indeed. <laughs> there we go then. <laughs> so you know, it's it's pretty clear to see both of you have a have a fantastic relationship, and I I know for a fact you can probably Nathan, you could probably switch that switch from friend to coach quite quite frequently and know when you need to be stern on this on this young man and you know be a be a friend at the same time. So this is to both of you really. How important is it to have a good athlete coach relationship? From a coach's point of view, um it's essential um because I need to to know when Harry's in a good place. I need to know his body language, his his verbal communication side of things. But it's a good thing is that Harry communicates really well. Um, we communicate, in my eyes, really well. Um, so if he is having a bad day, he, he's. I hope that I'm open enough for him to talk to me about it. Um, and then we can make a plan moving forward. And it's something that got instilled in me from when I was an athlete and that relationship that I had with my coach. It was fundamental in the, in, in my success. Um, and I just want to hopefully be a similar type of coach to, to the athletes that I work with. So, yeah, I think I think it can. I think for our so the way I am, I think it's important for me anyway. I think some athletes, in terms of having a good relationship, I think it's always important. But I don't think you necessarily have to be friends like me and Nathan are. Um, but for me, I think yeah, it's sort of important. And for me as well, say I coach Harry differently to to how I coach some of my other athletes. Because I understand that every athlete is is an individual and needs to be your coaching style needs to adapt and be tailored to that person. Because everybody has different ways of learning, whether you be um, visual, kinetic, or audio. And and I, and I've I've found that in my own learning when I was an athlete and find out that I was a very visual learner. But I didn't want to be allow me to, when I started my coaching journey to be a one trick pony. I only have one style of coaching, so I like to try and be able to to adapt to to the athletes that I'm working with. It may not be right. It may not be the right way for me to coach, but for me, as long as my athletes are are able to relate and and I can give them my best, so they can then potentially give me their best. Um, I feel that like it's it's a good way to work, and it say it works for me and the athletes that I coach, especially with Harry. So, do you find some athletes some athletes need that 
kind of softer approach and some react better to the to the you know hair dryer treatment as they as they call it to to really get the best out of them yeah definitely um i've had uh, a few athletes in the past who need to be told everything every session and and I, kind of i was the same when i was an athlete um, i needed my plan set in stone and, and so i can follow that plan um but some athletes don't like to read a lot of lengthy documents to say right you're doing this on this day they just prefer to be told when they turn up what am i doing today and then others like to to analyze their plans so they can kind of have more of a buy-in to it and understand what they're doing and why they're doing and ask a lot of questions um and then on the on the softer skill sides you you, you gotta be personal to that individual um some athletes want to be distant and some athletes don't want to talk about their family they just want you there to coach them in their event that they're doing and keep everything separate and that's absolutely fine if that's the way they want to work um then i'm open to that as well um so yeah it's, it's every athlete like i said every athlete is 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 different every athlete is has got their own way of working and you need to try and find that way to get the best for that athlete so would you say one of your number one priorities as a coach is to firstly understand who you are dealing with as an athlete yeah so the, my first protocol is do many different coaching styles so tell them what they need to do show them what they need to do get someone else to demonstrate what they need to do and see which one they engage with the most um we're lucky in the environment that we're in that we can we we've got the capacity to do that with our junior guys working with our elite guys so they kind of the, the sessions cross over and um, when you're working one-on-one -on -one, it's quite difficult especially me being um, a wheelchair user and sometimes coaching ambulant athletes that took me a, a quite a long time to get used to and sometimes I, I still feel that i'm not the best person to coach the athlete because I physically can't do the movements that I'm asking them to do to show them. Um, and this is where I'm lucky enough to have, um, obviously my coaching assistants and other coaches around me to, to understand how I work and will, will demonstrate for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's getting to know that athlete and getting to know what works best for them. And before you can start any coach athlete relationship, I, I think that's a fundamental part of that learning is understanding how your athlete works and the best way that they learn. Absolutely. So any any aspiring coaches out there really listen to that to that what Nathan just said, because I think that's a key principle that all coaches should should lead with and, and to really truly understand. And it's not just to understand, but is you will get the best out of that athlete if you truly understand how they work. So definitely to any young aspiring wheelchair racer or just any person who wants to to start this journey of elite para sports, what would be what would be your advice? Sorry, you, Harry. Make sure your heart's in it. I think that's the most important thing. Um, if you're not enjoying it, don't do it. But if you've got that goal and you really want to do wheelchair racing, then uh, you can do that too. I think if you put your mind to it, we can. You can do things and. Uh, I'd love to have some younger wheelchair racers in Wales. I think it'd be awesome to sort of train with some people around and just have that atmosphere because 
it's just me and Nathan at the minute. Uh, I mean, that's the one thing I missed most since lockdown. I was Nathan was in his racing chair a bit, so uh, but we're not we haven't got access to his racing chair at the minute. So uh, and I hope Nathan agrees. I think it'd be great. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think for me, it's just find a sport that you love and you you're yeah. going to enjoy for an extremely long time. Because you can be in sport for, you know, if you do it right and do the right things, you can be in sport for a long time. And again, I, I think I'm that's still... why it's, it's, I think that's why it's so important to sort of branch it, branch out when you're younger. So many yeah. people sort of have their heart set on one thing and sort of go for it, and then sort of fall out of love with it. Miss, yeah, um, miss the opportunity that they could have had a lot younger. Sort of... And and say with the work that I'm doing now, say say if you're a, a young aspiring Welsh athlete, then, then get in contact with us at Disability Sport Wales, and we can provide them opportunities for you to find that that sport that you will fall in love with and won't mind going out in the rain to do or uh, waking up and travelling, you know, hours on end to go to training, and um, because you ultimately have that passion for it, um, and say we we can give you all of them opportunities as an organisation and working closely with uh, all the Welsh NGBs. So, yeah, if I find one that you love and gives you the most enjoyment. Well, you the year, guys. Any aspiring young athletes out there, make sure to check out the Display Sport Wales website and send Gemma, Anthony or Nathan an email just to just to get your interest out I there. Mean, cause... Can, I mean, you can even message me. You can message anyone um, yeah. who's involved. Like, we'll get you to the right people who can sort you out. Um, absolutely yeah any young Not, any any people who are sort of worried about doing anything they can sort of mess they can message you you'll make sure they get in touch with the right people so yeah. there's so many people invo- involved around um there's so many people yeah. willing to help now which is fantastic yeah, yeah. that's the beauty about para sport and disability sport wales we are almost like a very giant family aren't we and, and we're all here for each other and this is what we're here for, guys. This podcast is, is, is getting a word out about what incredible work this Sport Wales does. So, yeah, you heard it here first. If you want to get in touch with the guys, make sure you drop them a line, either email or social media. So, no, both of you, as you can all hear, guys, absolute dynamic pair, dynamic duo, Anton Deck, Batman and Robin, absolute <laughs> pleasure to have you both on the show. It really does emphasise how important that athlete coach relationship is, and you boys sum it up to a to a T. So, thank you very much, both, and I'll uh, uh, I'll you. catch you soon. Thanks, James. You're listening to the Just Ask podcast with James Ledger. Just ask. Governor. Just ask. I'm now going to introduce Gemma Cutter who is a Disability Sport Wales officer. She is also the Performance Pathway Officer too, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about the programme. How are you doing, Gemma? Yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? All good, thank you. Gem, I know you wear a couple of hats within Disability Sport Wales. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do in, in your role? Yeah, so I've been involved with Disability Sport Wales for coming up to 15 years now. So almost part of the furniture, I guess. I live in uh, rural Ceredigion, which is in mid Wales. And what I do is cover Wales alongside Nathan as Performance Pathway Senior Officer. 
been doing that for about five years now, I guess, trying to discover our next future Paralympians across Wales. So it's very Amazing. exciting. I'm sure there's many stars to, to come out in the future. And I know you're a, a development officer as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I work within Ceredigion County Council as well. So I just get people involved with sport at any age, so from grassroots level. But the work that I'm doing now um, with Nathan within the Performance Pathway team is very much linking up the work that all the development officers are doing out in their local authorities and linking that pathway right through to performance and making sure that we're creating environments to really discover, find and grow potential um, participants and athletes within our networks. That's awesome because you've probably experienced, I guess, all the way from grass to, to, to elite level now. So you've probably got a really good grasp on that kind of process and, and what you do, the, the pathway, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the key is to listen to what people want and and also making sure that everybody um, feels like they have the opportunity. So something that I'm really passionate about is making sure that individuals, regardless of where they think they live or or think that that might be a barrier to them participating or competing for their country one day, it's not true. There are opportunities across the whole of Wales, length, breadth of Wales, and that's what we're trying to offer. We're being um, more creative and dynamic and outreach is better than ever. And coronavirus, actually, this period in time has given us some new challenges, but actually some new opportunities and discovering ways of keeping, um, you know, connection um, with individuals across the country and bringing people together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about making sure that individuals have that opportunity to, you know, move on from club environments and into and discover new potential pathways that they might not yeah. realize exist absolutely i was gonna you just touched upon it there um i was gonna ask you as a an officer and a pathways officer how have you found lockdown and the virus and i know you you and nathan run virtual hubs do you want to just tell us a little bit about how that's worked and how that's come about yeah so i, I guess the beginning of the, the lockdown was um, very much trying to make sure that our um, elite athletes were retor- returning to a safe environment and to be able to, um, you know, concentrate on what they were doing and getting back training and active. But we also have, you know, a huge range of individuals in our pathway at different stages as well. So we've developed a, a brilliant system now which provides different types of environments um, regardless of where you might be along that pathway and we were really keen to make sure that we stayed connected with all the athletes and what we've done is sort of come together um, brought all the coaches together and providing some virtual hub sessions um, to connect everybody so it focuses on social element it focuses on the well-being aspect it focuses on um, 
skill development, you know, and making sure these athletes feel a part of something and are ready to go for when we can actually get back into a practical environment. So it's really very exciting. Um, we've had a couple of sessions already and, you know, the feedback has been absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, it's, it's maintaining that, it's sustaining that and overcoming the challenges as staff, but also making sure that, you know, our members and our athletes are well supported and ready to come back to training when we can. That's awesome. So even it sounds like even with all the uncertainty there's been, it sounds like everyone's still really motivated to to be a part of this journey and, and be, be active and enjoy their sport. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it is difficult to stay motivated. It's difficult, I'm sure, for staff. It is difficult for athletes. We've got families at home. We might have children at home, um, you know, so it has thrown some new challenges but you know that first that first contact back with with the athletes was just wonderful you could just feel that buzz straight away and just reminded yourself you know this is what we're doing this is the goal we're really trying to develop people and provide opportunities and we must just continue to strive and overcome overcome the challenges that lockdown has given us and try and think of new and innovative ways to keep in touch with our networks and we've got some really exciting ideas as well to encourage people to sign up and be a part of the pathway as well James. Amazing yeah you you just touched upon it then do you want to give us like a rough idea about the pathway and and what it's about and maybe how people can can uh, generate interest if they want to want to get involved? Yeah so We've developed a um, an inspire campaign, so hashtag inspire. Um, hashtag inspire. Some, hashtag inspire. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we've developed that that campaign now, and some people may have seen elements of it already, but it's just all about finding, um, you know, the the next generation, I guess, or the next individuals who who believe and think and would like to. Um, represent their country one day and it and it isn't just about about that either it's about inspiring you know working with the senior athletes as well to inspire the next generation you've just heard Harry now talk about his journey and you know he's inspiring to so many people out there and you know he's tried lots of different sports and opportunities and that's what we're here to do is to provide different sports and opportunities and make people, you know, hopefully people can get in touch um, and we can support them to discover new opportunities. Some people possibly don't realise what's out there. So, you know, if people fill in that Inspire form, they can get in touch, link with us and get in touch with us so we that, that we can just provide some information and sort of possible opportunities. And that's via Disperse What Wales website to get the form, yeah. is it? Yeah, so it's a case of just um, getting in touch, um, like you mentioned earlier, through one of our social channels, um, social media platforms, or via the website. And it was very recently on the insportseries.co.uk website, the, the form there as well. So, But feel free to get in touch with um, myself or with Nathan, and we can, you know, just pick up the phone. We can, we can get in touch Definitely. So any, again, I will emphasize this, any aspiring 
young athlete or anyone that of that matter who wants to get involved in you know para sport because it is a fantastic journey to be on and as nathan alluded to earlier dsw are not just building good athletes they're building good people as well and i'm sure Gemma will emphasize that what we do is not just performance based it, it, it's every aspect of para sport absolutely we want to make sure that every single um, individual in a wonderful country are able to um, you know given the opportunities to achieve their potential whatever that may be and disability sport wales is very much a family organization um, and yeah please get in touch um, if we can help in any way we'll do our best and last one Jim. what advice would you give to anyone who was maybe feels a little bit nervous about starting their sporting journey or, or was not not quite sure or even to, to parents who who are not sure about getting their their child involved or um young person in, involved in sport what would you say to them oh wow that's a big question for me james um <laughs> i would say disability sport wales um uh, have an officer based in every um, authority in Wales. So, and we are all really passionate about what we do, um, and we're genuine and really want to provide the best possible opportunities and support for people to get involved. I would say that I still meet people now who still don't realise what is out there. Um, what opportunities and what the potential can be and I and I still love speaking to parents speaking to individuals children young people adults and sit down and explain to them and you know show this is what you can do this is what you can achieve yeah I would I would say you know get in touch and you'll be surprised what you can discover and what is out there um you know a whole new world (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and you know i've got individuals based in the local authority i'm in and you know one in particular an acquired impairment and just thought oh no i'm i live in rural caradigan how am i going to be able to access the wonderful opportunities that i've seen elsewhere and are surprised about what is on their doorstep um and we've still we've still got room to grow and still got room to um you know showcase what we do so i would say please just get in touch have a look at our website have a look at our wonderful videos um you know the youtube channel now we've got some fantastic activities and initiatives and get in touch and, and see what we can um do for you thank you so much for for joining us Gemma, and, and taking the time out of your day because i know you're a very busy woman no, you're and, uh, very welcome, James. Pleasure to speak to you. Okay, what what a show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, a massive thank you to, to all my guests who have been on the show today, Harry Jenkins, Nathan Stevens, and Gemma Cutler. I hope you've all enjoyed and, and taken something away away from this podcast. You know, make sure to check out the Inspire campaign. Make sure to check out our Disability Sport Wales YouTube channel. And if you are an aspiring young athlete that wants to get involved 
in para sports make sure you fill out one of them forms or get in touch with Gemma and nathan to suggest your interest because sport can change your life and what disability sport whales are doing is transforming lives with the power of sport so get involved stay active and, and enjoy what you do we will also be hearing from brawny the chair of the national youth board who's going to be talking a bit about the goga project and what's to come on the hashtag just ask podcasts you'll be hearing from a coach and participant who've been adapting to online sessions within lockdown hi guys i'm megan price and i'm a global player surprise surprise like most of you i either had to stop or had to adapt my sports and exercise trainings and i found that really difficult but thankfully right towards the beginning of lockdown i found get out get active whales and specifically i found their sessions entitled wayne's weekly workouts it's a very encouraging friendly and engaging session to be a part of and i've loved it i've been your host james ledger and i'll uh, see you on the next just ask podcast <laughs>